I'm uh, station manager Dan Aykroyd. Uh, Jane, you ignorant slut. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. 3-605.10.20.22.24.26.50.70.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.0.
He's been on Broadway, and, but he's mostly known as a stand-up comedian. So it's nice to know that one of the best stand-up comedians of all time was in an improv troupe. Because I am in improv myself, and I am a stand-up myself. And for the most part, I would say 85 to 90% of all stand-up comedians despise improv. Hate it with a passion. Make fun of it as much as they can. And I've never understood this. It's just a means to make people laugh. Like anything. It's just looked down upon in the stand-up community. So It's looked down upon more than stealing material, I believe. And stealing material is the worst crime you can commit as a stand-up besides being an improv comedian. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Because here we are, one of the best stand-up comedians of all time came from an improv background. And I'll say this, I'm going off on a tangent. I've read a book on Richard Pryor. I mean, Richard Pryor was into improv before he was into stand-up. So there you go. Two of the best of all time were in, in, into improv before they became fantastic stand-up comedians. And we're back from the tangent. We're back on. Robert Klein, he's just going to pop up in between each of these sketches. And he's actually in some of the sketches, but we're going to come back to those later here in the podcast. The first sketch is Barbara Harris, and she's singing a song about Eisenhower. And this is to tell us that, much like Saturday Night Live, Second City, a lot of these sketches, and a lot of sketches, period, are going to be dated because they were products of their time. This is a song about Eisenhower, a political song. Second City started off, it was a very, very politically-minded entity in Chicago when it started back in 1959 and it, it kept all it kept its political background through its entire run not all of the sketches from second city on the cd are political some are political some are of its time some are not it's a nice eclectic collection of stuff that holds up over time and stuff that was a product of its time so when you're listening to some of these sketches, you get the essence of what it was like to be in the audience back there in the 50s, in the 60s, and the 70s. It's just a nice array. It's a nice collection of comedy bits. And the first one is a Barbara Harris. She's just singing this song. And uh, I'll get this out of the way, too. This first CD is light on women, on light on female comedians. I'm not doing a review on the second CD in this because it doesn't feature Dan Aykroyd, but the second CD has a lot more women on that CD, a lot more women participating on that CD. The first CD, not so much. It's male-dominated, and that is just a product of the time. In the 50s and the 60s, it was just more men doing it, more men running it, and women had to fight to get their voices out, which they did eventually, which is great. But I'm just laying it down right now. There's not going to be a lot of female. And the females that are here, a lot of them are just background, which is wrong. But that's how it was. All right. Now that we have that out of the way, we go from uh, the Barbara Harris song to our next sketch, Football Comes to Chicago. And this features Alan Arkin, Servin Darden, Andrew Duncan, and Eugene Trubnik. This is a 
scene about three intellectuals talking to a football coach. A football coach is trying to explain football to these three intellectuals. And the football coach is just trying to break it down just as a football game. And the three intellectuals are trying to break the football down into... They're comparing it to Plato and just all the great philosophers of the time. And the, the foot, the, the, basically, it's the football coach getting exasperated with these three intellectuals just ruining his football practice. And this is a nice twist. Usually in sketches, it's the, it's the jocks that are bullying the brains or bullying the nerds. In this one, the nerds get the best of the jock. He, the the football coach he's talking like you know that fast Newt Rockney you know rah 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 and the three intellectuals are just wearing him down with all these commentaries and all these questions and all these statements about intellectuality which I don't think is a word but I if it isn't I'm copywriting it intellectuality which was a nice twist you didn't see a lot of that you like you didn't see a lot of the nerds getting getting the best of jocks that came later so this is one of the first scenes of that one of the first comedy scenes of that which is nice then we go to a blackout sketch this cd contains two kind two kinds of sketches a blackout sketch and then longer sketches a blackout sketch is a sketch that is no more than 30 seconds it's a small setup punchline boom blackout and those sketches to me are more like stand-up comedy where it's just a setup and a joke the longer sketches are stories so it, it more of a storytelling where you can explore the characters and explore the environment and just explore what everybody is thinking the blackout sketches are just quick nice little sketches and this one is called our children and it features, once again, another famous stand-up comedian, Joan Rivers and Bill Alton. The sketch is Joan Rivers is talking about how horrible these people are and that her and her husband, she just doesn't want to visit these people. She wants to ignore them. She wants to cut them out of her life. And her husband says, we have to visit them. They're our children. Blackout. End of sketch. And the blackout sketches are some of my favorites because that's my joke-telling style. I am not a storyteller comedian. My jokes are, you know, short setup, short punchline. And I do as many of those as I can in my act. And that's what this is. Short setup, short punchline. Joan Rivers, who is a very, very funny stand-up comedian, her, she is the straight person in this sketch, actually. Because she just goes on and on about how bad these people are. And then Bill Alton, her husband, comes with the punchline. Joan Rivers did not stick around Second City that long because she was more of a loner. She was more of an individual. And she didn't really like working with other people that much. She liked working on her own. And she knew that. And that's why she left Second City. And you have to respect somebody. Some people work well with others. Some people don't. And if you don't, you have to realize that and you have to get out. Kudos to Joan Rivers. She gave it a try. It didn't work out. She moved on. And it worked out for her one of the greatest stand-up comedians of all time, in my opinion. I, I enjoy her comedy. I didn't enjoy her commentaries but when she was on the red carpet, but I did enjoy her, her stand-up albums and her stand-up comedy. Then we go to a sketch called Cab Stan, 
from Jack Burns and Avery Schreiber. They are a famous stand-up duo, and they met at Second City. This is just a sketch about Avery Schreiber being a New York taxi driver and Jack Burns just being an annoying tourist. And they go back and forth, back and forth. I'm going to say the audio on this is very, very poor. This is the worst track on this CD. It's very, very hard to hear, and you miss a lot of the jokes. All you hear is the laughter. I would suggest you buy one of their albums. They put out two albums, and they also had a television show, Avery and Schreiber. The audio quality on the comedy albums are much, much better because they took this track and just did it in a live show. Because you'll see this again. I'll mention this again further. A lot of these bits, which were created on the Second City stage, the performers took these sketches and performed them in other venues and in other arenas. And this is one of them. Now we have uh, two sketches that feature Fred Willard and our MC Robert Klein. And the first one is a blackout called Mary Smith. It's a very, very simple sketch. There's not much to say about it. It was, um, and now the national anthem is going to be sung by Mary Smith. Fred Willard says that, and then Robert Klein just yells out, Mary Smith was a whore, blackout. And this was when, this was the late 60s, when profanity was being used more and more, it was being accepted more and more on stages. Audiences were not being appalled by it as they were. Some audiences were expecting it. So this is one of the first sketches that used profanity. And the next sketch with Fred Willard and Robert Klein is called Believe It or Not, where Fred Willard plays a man from Ripley's Believe It or Not, comes to Robert Klein's house. Robert Klein is a farmer, and he claims that all of the objects in his house were once vegetables that he grew. He grew a telephone and he grew a pocket watch, and he grew a guitar. This flashlight used to be a carrot, you know, and this pocket watch used to be a turnip. And it ends up, the, the, the punchline of the sketches is his wife, his wife used to be a vegetable. This is a great sketch because of Fred Willard. Fred Willard doesn't get enough credit as being a great straight man. He's not known as one of the great straight men in comedy because a lot of times when you see him, he is being funny himself. Fred Willard is one of those guys where he knows when to be funny and he knows when to be the straight guy. And in this sketch, he is the straight man. He lets Robert Klein get all the laughs. He sets up Robert Klein for all the laughs. He doesn't try to steal the laughs from Robert Klein. And the few jokes that he does make really, really land because he is not trying to be funny. Because he is playing the straight man perfectly. This sketch, believe it or not, I, this is a perfect sketch for how to develop a straight man, how to do a funny person straight man combo, an Abbott and Costello, a Laurel and Hardy. This is a long, this sketch is just as good as anything they have ever done. And it's all because of Fred Willard. You, you're going to, you're going to listen to this and you're going to listen to Robert Klein and you're going to listen to Robert Klein, get all the laughs. But when you listen to this, I will say, Pay attention to Fred Willard's character. He is the one that makes this sketch go. Enough of that. That's Comedy 101. Now we go to a sketch called Lenny Bruce, which was with Del Close and Avery Schreiber. 
and I was talking earlier about they, them starting to use more adult language in their sketches. And in Lenny Bruce, this was one of the first times that Second City used the word shit in a sketch. This sketch is really a product of its time. This was when Lenny Bruce was getting busted time and time again for using profanity on stage. This is a time capsule of the times where comedians and and comedy venues were really paying attention to what Lenny Bruce was doing because they knew what Lenny Bruce was doing. They knew that it was very, very important for Lenny Bruce to speak his mind. And they knew that Lenny Bruce was fighting for them. And the sketch is very, very simple. Del Close is up there. He's making a speech. Avery Schreiber comes in, says, Lenny Bruce has been busted for swearing. And Del Close just says, no shit, blackout. There's a weird, weird connection in this sketch. I'll try, it's, I'm really into weird connections. 10 degrees of Kevin Bacon, 9 degrees, whatever. This is a, a degree sketch. Avery Schreiber is in this sketch. And Avery Schreiber was a partner with Jack Burns, who we heard earlier as uh, in the sketch, Cad Driver. Before Jack Burns was partners with Avery Schreiber, he was partners with George Burns. It was, uh, <laughs> it was uh, not George Burns, for Christ's sake. He wasn't with George Burns? What is he, 104 years old? No! God damn it, Scott. Get your shit together. George Carlin. That's the George I was thinking of, George Carlin. Not George Burns, George Carlin. Jack Burns and George Carlin were a comedy team before Jack Burns and Avery Schreiber. And Jack Burns and George Carlin did a Lenny Bruce bit on their debut album at the Playboy Club. Jack Burns and George Carlin did a bit about Lenny Bruce, and then Jack Burns teamed up with Avery Schreiber, and Avery Schreiber did a bit with Del Close called Lenny Bruce on the Second City stage. Everybody got that? Good. We're moving on! The Dan Aykroyd Podcast has a new sponsor, Dr. Carmichael. Hello, ladies. Has this ever happened to you? You're pregnant, yet you still want to smoke. What do you do? You know smoking is bad for your unborn child. In the past, the only thing you could do was just not smoke. But not anymore, thanks to the scientific breakthrough of Dr. Carmichael's Austin Majestic Smoke Puffs. That's right. Dr. Carmichael's Austin Majestic Smoke Puffs have 45% less bad stuff than cigarettes. Yes, by smoking Dr. Carmichael's Austin Majestic Smoke Puffs, you are making your baby 50 percent healthier and that's just math and math doesn't lie and remember after you have the little dickens stock up on dr carmichael's alabama redwood magic elixir just remember just because you're smoking for two doesn't mean you can't smoke less dr carmichael where his number one priority is family <laughs> okay man i just want to let everybody know that i am sweating like a pig because I am doing this podcast in Houston in July, and I have my fan off, and I have my air conditioning off, because I don't want any of that sound to be on the CD. So I am suffering for you people. I am suffering for my craft, so I'm making sure that you people get the best possible podcast that I can deliver, which probably won't be that good, but it's just going to be a slight better without having that humming noise in the background. Okay, where was I? The Narcs. That's the next sketch, The Narcs, featuring Brian Doyle Murray. Brian Doyle Murray is Bill Murray's older brother. And Bill Murray is so big and casts such a big shadow that I don't think Brian Doyle Murray gets the credit that he deserves. Brian Doyle Murray 
is an excellent comedian. He is an excellent comic actor. He is an excellent writer. He is all that. In the shadow of Bill, I don't think he ever got the fame. Well, he got the fame. I just don't think he got the recognition that he deserved. And this is one of the sketches that he was in. It's called Narcs. And this sketch, to me, it, it's very, very much like, uh, I think Cheech and Chong may have heard this sketch when they, because they did their famous uh, audio sketch, Dave. You know, who is it? It's Dave. Dave's not here. Who is it? This is not exactly like Dave, but in the same vein as Dave. Because we hear a knock at the door, and all these people who are doing drugs start to scramble, and they go, who is it? And on the other side of the door, it goes, it's the narcs. And they start swallowing, and they start throwing away the pot and, and all that. And then they open the door, and it's like, oh, hello, we're your neighbors, Bill and Barbara narcs. You know, so we're the narcs. And it's what I like about that is this, this has a social commentary where back there, people were doing drugs, and people were afraid of the police officers. They didn't want to get busted and spend, you know, a lot of time in jail. And the punchline is very, very silly. And that's when, I, when you combine something very serious with something very silly, I think that is very clever writing. And that's what this is. This is a very clever sketch. It's a very short sketch. And this was the first sketch on the CD where it takes place in the 70s, and they call themselves the next generation. The first generation was from 19... You know, from 1959 to 1969, 1970, and then after that, it was the next generation. The baton has been handed off. And that's where we get most of the people we recognize today from Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, Bill Murray, John Belushi, and from SCTV, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, all those people. All those key people, all those people came from the next generation of Second City. And speaking of Saturday Night Live and SCTV, the next sketch on here features John Belushi and Joe Flaherty, two big hitters in Saturday Night Live and SCTV. And it's called, and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, it's called Brest Litovsky. L-I-T-O-U-S-K. Brest Litovsk? That's, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to try it again. The gist of the scene is... Joe Flaherty is a teacher in college, and John Belushi is one of his students, and John Belushi has basically blown off his class the entire year. He hasn't gone to one single lecture. He hasn't gone to one single class. And it's the last day of the semester, and John Belushi comes to Joe Flaherty's office and says that he has to pass this class or else he'll get sent to Vietnam. And he doesn't want to get sent to Vietnam. Once again... It's a silly sketch with an underlining current of something very, very serious about men being sent away to Vietnam, men being sent away to be killed. It's something silly on top. It's the old uh, you know, spoonful of sugar deal where they didn't want to come right at you with, with Vietnam and it's bad and I don't want to get drafted. So they put a little sugar on top of that to make the social commentary a bit more palatable. And that's what they do in this sketch. And the sketch is Joe Flaherty says he'll give John Belushi an oral test right there in his office. And Joe Flaherty asks him to explain the Treaty of Brest-Litovsk. And it's evident that John Belushi has no idea what it is. He stumbles through it. Now, we all know John Belushi 
from Saturday Night Live and from Animal House and from the Blues Brothers as this bigger-than-life character who flops around and who yells and who crushes beer cans on his head and smashes beer bottles over his head. You know, toga! 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 This John Belushi in this sketch is a very subtle John Belushi. Everybody talks about how Jack Benny was a master of the pause in his comedy. Well, John Belushi has mastered the pause in this sketch. He is not the bouncing off the walls of Bluto. He is not the head-banging Jake Blues. It's very, very subtle, and it, and it works very, very well because he just takes his time and takes his pauses trying to get through this explanation that he doesn't know about. And I've mentioned this before. John Belushi is an excellent facial actor. And I know, even though I have never seen this, I know that John Belushi is giving fantastic facial reactions along with the pauses during this sketch, which we don't see, but I know is there. This is a master course. This is a master course sketch about, one, how to use pause, how to use silence to enhance your joke. And two, once again, it's also a master course on how to be a straight man. Joe Flaherty plays the straight man perfectly like Fred Willard. He doesn't try to outshine John Belushi. He doesn't try to get the best of John Belushi. He knows that this is John Belushi's sketch. And he's there, and he delivers his lines, and he sets up John Belushi, and John Belushi delivers. And the few jokes that Joe Flaherty does make in this land because he has set up the fact that he is the straight man. So when he does tell a joke, the joke lands twice as hard because you're not expecting it from him. Unfortunately, this is the only sketch that features John Belushi on this CD. And it's a good one. And I like it. Okay. Our next sketch is about VD. <laughs> and it features Harold Ramis and David Rashney and... And I've had her name before on a podcast, and I'm still not thinking I'm doing it right. Eugenie Ross Lemming. That's the way I read it. And it's a VD clinic, and Harold Ramis and David Rashney are sitting in the lobby, and they're talking about having VD, and they're talking about how it's casual now, how all you have to do is get a shot. And then the nurse comes out, and the nurse is played by Eugenie and... She basically berates the two for having VD. Uh, she does everything that a nurse shouldn't do in that situation. She is very non-clinical. She is very judgmental about these men. And this is one of the few sketches where a female character delivers the jokes. Basically, Harold Ramis and David Rashney are the straight men in this sketch, and, she, and Eugenie, is, uh, she's the one who delivers the comic line. She's the one who who pushes the sketch forward, along with a couple others. This sketch was reused in the first season of Second City Television. Uh, there's a little twist on it, but this sketch about two men sitting in a VD clinic was reused. Uh, and I'm guess So I'm guessing that this was property of Harold Ramis, because Harold Ramis was in the first season of Second City Television. And I think he brought this with him to that first season. 
because they were in need of material. And that's what he brought. This is basically an embarrassment sketch where somebody is embarrassed about something they've done and they're confiding in somebody who they think is going to help them, but they just enhance the embarrassment. Simple sketch, great payoff, and it's talking about VD, which was kind of, not VD wasn't new, but talking about VD was kind of new in the mid-70s. That gave the sketch weight. It's like, I have VD, am I just going to live with VD, or am I going to deal with my embarrassment about VD and get my VD treated? Have I said VD enough times to make everybody listening to this uncomfortable? Now we come, this is the Dan Aykroyd Podcast, and we come to the first sketch of two that Dan Aykroyd stars in. And this is called I Quit. And it stars Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, and Rosemary Radcliffe. Simple blackout sketch. Dan Aykroyd and John Candy are two actors. They're rehearsing a scene. Dan Aykroyd plays the pompous leading man. John Candy plays the newer actor who can't remember his lines. And during... The play, he keeps forgetting his lines, and he keeps asking for his lines. And Rosemary Radcliffe, she keeps feeding him his lines. And Dan Aykroyd is getting pompousier and pompiouser. Once again, don't think those are words. Actually, it's not a word. That's the same word. But he's getting pompiouser and pompiouser. Every time that John Candy forgets a line, Dan Aykroyd takes him down another notch. Instead of trying to build him up, telling him that it's going to be okay, we're going to get through this scene... He keeps putting him down, keeps telling him basically that he's a better actor than him and that he needs to straighten up. And John Candy loses it. And he just tells Dan Aykroyd, you know what? I am so tired of you. I am going to line. I quit. I quit. Blackout. End of scene. Not much more to say about that. Two professionals, two great comics going at each other. And the payoff is... You're, even though you're expecting it, you're not expecting it, you know that it's going to come, you know, he's going to forget his line, but what line is he going to forget? I quit. It's just a great short sketch. I am a fan of short sketches. Uh, longer sketches, in my opinion, they, they lose steam unless it's really, really well written and really, really well performed. It's going to lose something. That's why I am into the short sketches where you set up the joke and you hit it and you get out. And this is what it is. They set up the joke, they hit it and get out. Now, all that all being said, the next sketch is called Canadian Play. And it is a longer sketch. And it is well written. And it is well acted. And it is well performed. And it is well executed. And it's the highlight of this disc one CD. And this is a who's who of comedy. Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, Rosemary Radcliffe. They're playing a dysfunctional family. And this was before the word dysfunctional became a catch-all for everybody. It just showed a family at each other's throats, not really liking each other, but then sticking up for each other, and then not really liking each other again. It shows a great family dynamic. Dan Aykroyd is the head of this family, and he does a great Scottish accent, much better than the one I'm doing right now. Ach, no! I'm Scottish! Wow. That was awful. But Dan Aykroyd is not awful. And he has his wife, Catherine O'Hara, and then he has 
his son, Eugene Levy, who plays a homosexual, and then he has his daughter, Rosemary Ratcliffe, who basically plays this stunted intellectual daughter. And then John Candy plays his hockey son, and he's great because he plays hockey, and he's my son. And and Dan Aykroyd doesn't... He talks about his disdain. He doesn't like his gay son. He doesn't like his dumb daughter. He doesn't even like his wife. And he lets everybody know the one person that he loves so much is John Candy because he is a man's man. He's the son that I've always wanted. And the thing is, John Candy gets kicked out of hockey camp because he never wanted to play hockey. And then John Candy yells at his dad. And then his brother yells at him for yelling at his dad. And then his dad yells at his brother. And it's all this yelling. It's a, it's a perfect storm of a crescendo to a sketch. This sketch builds and builds and builds. And one of the things I don't like about longer sketches it, it longer sketches tend to build and then they die off and then they build again and they die off this sketch starts at one point and it ends at another point and that point is a diagonal line straight up in the air it just builds and builds and builds until the punchline and i'm not going to give if i'm going to say this sketch is so good uh look up canadian play you can probably find it on youtube or if you own the CD. You've heard it before. But look up the the sketch Canadian play. This was another sketch that got carried over to SCTV because we had three SCTV actors in this. John Candy, Catherine O'Hara, and Eugene Levy. And the sketch was carried over and the other two roles were taken over by Joe Flaherty and Andrea Martin. So this was another sketch that you could see. So here's my assignment to everybody out there. Find the audio sketch, Canadian Play, listen to that, and then find the uh, sketch that was done on SCTV. Compare the two. So our next sketch is called Issues and Alibis. And it is uh, Bill Murray, George Went, Tim Kazarinski, Danny Breen, and Bruce Jarkow. It's a interview show, and Bill Murray is the interviewer. And this is just typical Bill Murray. Hey, uh, you kooky guys. He is just this used car salesman. Think of the, remember Ghostbusters 2 when he's hosting that paranormal TV show when he, you know, they're no longer Ghostbusters, so he has to host a show. That's where this character developed right here. He's just this kooky. He doesn't really know what's going on, and he's introducing, and we have a Russian ambassador and a China ambassador, and they're there with their interpreters. And this is an old improv game where the interpreter says something, where somebody says something in a foreign language gibberish, and then the interpreter tells us what they meant in English, and they do this through the entire sketch. I have done this sort of game before. It's a very, very fun game to do. And they take actual questions from the audience So this is one of the few sketches, in fact, this is the only sketch on the CD where the improv nature of the Second City is incorporated. Because in all improv, you get suggestions from the audience and then you play on those suggestions. And this is the only sketch on this whole CD where they do that. They go into the audience, they ask a question, the interpreter asks the 
Russian ambassador, and then the Russian ambassador goes back. So this is really on the interpreters. And I can't really tell who are the interpreters in this one. I mean, I know who all, I know Bill, it's not Bill Murray, but I know who George Went, Tim Kazarinski, and Danny Breen are. George Went, of course, Norm from Cheers, Tim Kazarinski from Saturday Night Live and the Police Academy movies, Danny Breen from Not Necessarily the News, and I don't know Bruce Jarkow. I'm sorry, Bruce. But I don't know their voices well enough to know who is playing the ambassadors and who are playing the interpreters. So kudos to the interpreters for coming up with jokes to the questions from the gibberish from the audience. And if you've ever been to an improv show, what I said makes perfect, perfect sense. If you've never been to an improv show, go to an improv show. You're going to love it if it's done right. Improv is like anything else. Bad improv is horrible. Bad stand-up is horrible. Bad sketch is horrible. Great improv is great. Great stand-up is great. Great sketch is great. Now we come to a sketch which is a, a very poignant sketch. It wasn't at the time, but it became poignant because of who's in it. And this sketch is called the White Horse Tavern, which is an actual tavern in New York City. And it stars Jim Belushi and Will Aldis. And it's two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. That's usually how it works, unless they're twins. Going to this pub and talking about life and death. They talk about how all these poets and how all these authors, how they committed suicide, how they drank themselves to death. One part of the sketch, Jim Belushi is talking about Dylan Thomas, how Dylan Thomas went to the doctor, and the doctor says, you have to stop drinking. And Dylan Thomas came to this white horse tavern, and he ordered 57 drinks, and he died right in that spot. He drank himself to death. And this is very, very poignant because Jim Belushi is, of course, the brother of John Belushi. And John Belushi died, you know, died early, died at 33, and people were telling him, you, including Jim, you got to stop living this way. you got to stop doing drugs. And John Belushi didn't listen to anybody. And Don Belushi, the catchphrase in the sketch is, boom, dead. And that's what happened to John Belushi. Boom, dead. So just having Jim Belushi do this sketch just a few years before his brother died, it's very, very eerie. And it's very, it's a funny sketch, but listening to the sketch you get a slight chill to your, you get a slight chill up your spine, knowing what's going to happen to his brother. And basically, every single name of every single person they mention in this sketch, you could replace that name with John Belushi, and this sketch would still go on, and this sketch would work. Oh, well, and then we end the CD with Martin Short. And all comics, now I'm not going to say all comics, a lot of comics has your Southern Preacher character. The Kids in the Hall did an actual sketch about how, how comics have their Southern Preach character, how the, they talk to the masses and all that. Well, Martin Short's twist on this is that he is a rabbi, and he is giving a sermon on why Jewish people are funny. And it's just Martin Short talking about old Jewish comics and doing old Jewish jokes. The jokes are... What I love about this sketch is 
There's a difference between being a comedian, trying to explain this. There's a difference between doing old jokes and doing old jokes. If you are doing old jokes as your own, then you're a hack. Then you're stealing these jokes. But if you're doing old jokes as a as a homage in the something in the middle of something bigger, then it's a brilliant. And that's what I love with this. Martin Short is doing old jokes in a bigger forum. He's letting everybody know that these are old jokes. He's letting everybody know that these aren't his. But he's doing it in a bigger way that incorporates them in just the bigger realm of comedy. So it's not stealing. It's an homage. So that's the difference between stealing somebody's material and giving somebody homage to their material. And Martin Short, who, quite frankly, is one of the funniest men in the world, nails it. And that's just the end of the CD. And I think it's a great way to end the CD it's more stand-up-ish, and maybe that's why I like it. It's just one person delivering material. That might be why I have a soft spot for this bit. And that's it. And that is CD number one from the Second City Coffee Table book, published in 2000. And what did I think of it? It was a great insight to how Second City began. It's a great insight on how improv began. And it's a great accompaniment to the book the the book is fantastic in itself i may do a podcast about that later in the future that it would be bigger because the book is huge and it covers a lot more ground than this cd and what did i think of dan Aykroyd's performance as i can as i said before dan Aykroyd and his fellow cast members in the in the audio version of canadian play that is the highlight of the cd that is the one sketch that the stands out as perfect. It's a longer sketch. There's no dull moments in it. It escalates. It has a great ending. It has great characters. You can have, there's people in there that you can identify with. Dan Aykroyd nails it. John Candy nails it. Eugene Levy nails it. Catherine O'Hara nails it. That sketch came from improv. And now it is a monster sketch, which they use over and over again. Second City does that. Once a sketch is established, they don't throw it away. They bring it back for next generations of performers to, to play to play with. So once a sketch is, in some places, when a sketch is done, it's done. Not in SCTV. Now, they're not bringing back sketches about Nixon and all that, but if there is a sketch that is timeless, they save that sketch and they let each generation perform that sketch, and they let each generation give their slight twist on that sketch. And that's why people from every generation can see these sketches that were done 30, 40, 50 years ago. And that's one of the great things about Second City is they never forget the past. They never forget where they came from. So I give this CD a thumbs up. I'm going to give the book a thumbs up, even though I didn't do a podcast on that. So if you ever see the Second City coffee table book, it was put out in 2000, so it's about 19 years old. The price on the book then was 45 bucks. You can probably pick it up at a used book bookstore between 5 and 10 bucks. If you're a fan of comedy, if you're a fan of improv, even if you're a fan of stand-up, pick this up. Make sure they have the CDs in it, but pick it up, read it, listen to the CDs. I'm also going to give a shout-out to CD number 2. Even though Dan Aykroyd is not on it, that CD is just as funny as the first CD, and there's a couple of very, very funny sketches on that CD. Check that out.
And that's it. And this has been another Dan Aykroyd podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed bringing it to you. My name is Scott White. If you want to support me and this podcast or anything that I'm doing, you can go to my Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Scott White, and donate. And I appreciate you guys listening. If you're listening to me on Apple, please leave a review. Uh, you know, uh, rate this podcast, give me a review. That'll help uh, people find this podcast and help my audience grow. And that's it. And I'll see you next time on the Dan Aykroyd Podcast.